Pisces is the 12th sign of the zodiac. In other words, the last last of the signs, and therefore it is the symbol of termination, death. We'll get into that. It is the sign of the world's saviour of sacrifice and death. And you can see it because it simply signifies the ending of things, the ending of cycles. And then you have the beginning of the new cycle with Aries. Sometimes when the reverse wheel, you have Aries in a sense being the ending and then Pisces is the beginning of the cycle of samsara. It completes the completion of one major cycle of experience in the deep sleep or pralaya state before the commencement of a new cycle of evolution. So if you think of the previous sign, Aquarius, as the sign of... Well, let's go two signs back to Capricorn, which is the sign of initiation, uh, standing on the mountaintop and gaining all that great revelation and wisdom, which is the accomplishment of, um, of all the struggles and, and trials and tribulations of mastery in all the other signs... So you gain your awakenment in um, Capricorn, you become a Bodhisattva in Aquarius, producing or giving out the rewards or the result of your accomplishment. So you become the world disciple in Aquarius. And in Pisces, you literally become the avatar, the saviour. You become the fully awakened, fully liberated being, and you're ready for your ascension. With Pisces, therefore, it's this pralaya state. And therefore, you've got this concept of the waters of the deep. So it's abstraction back from whence you came, back into the soul, after you've finished the cycle of material activity. So it's, in a sense, the sign of death and the sign of transition into the next domain, the inner plane union with the soul again, or, of course, pralaya, the death of a whole solar system or any other planetary uh, manifestation. So Pisces brings this concept of death and therefore Pluto is its esoteric and hierarchical sign, which is the first ray. So the death is, from any angle that you want to look at, the death of the soul at the fourth initiation. So when, for instance, here I'm just reading from my um, description of the card, as I said, and this death is from, viewed from two angles. First, the soul detaches itself from identification of the spirit or monad and descends into the ocean of sensation and form and matter, which is incarnation into our bodies. You understand, in a sense, being incarnated into these physical forms is a form of death to those on the inner realms. It's, the forms are limit, limited, full of darkness and much attachment to samsara, to materialism, to all forms of death, sickness, you know, forms of activity. The ways of making karma that lead to hell and repetition of karma and more and more karma. And this to the soul and to any spiritual being is death-like because they know where what's above them, which is the monad, which is cosmos, which is spirit, which is a full enlightenment and liberation and all of those great beings and endless streams of, of lighted substance compared to the, the shell that we live in, in this world of Maya that it's surrounded by. You can see, looking from above down, it's death in sensation, form and matter. It becomes bonded or yoked to the life of man's personality aspect by means of the silver cord, the sutratma. 
in this particular case, on this card, Pisces, we have the form of bondage in, first of all, the blue mutable cross, the red fixed cross, and then the big arm with the rainbow colours in it, which is, of course, a mutable cross. And it's the mutable cross of, of mutable, constant cyclic activity. And this is death to the, the spiritual being. And so Pisces is one of the arms of the mutable cross. Its polar opposite is Virgo. The other two arms are Gemini and Sagittarius, which we've already gone into. What the one on this mutable cross has to learn to do is to mount on the fixed cross of compassionate resolve of the crucified Christ, which produces the awakening of the heart, or it's the result of the heart's awakening. Jupiter governing the second ray is the exoteric rule of the sign, as Pisces is the first sign of the reverse rule after Aries. So we see that in this sign, the personality is in its most unevolved, negative, fluidly, fluidly psychic and sensitive state. I often regard, because it's the first watery sign also, so it's the, the beginning of this this watery immersion of the basal elementary emotions, psychically receptive, often negative, and the fluidity of the mutable cross. It's, as you know, the symbol of Pisces is the two fishes. One is the soul, or the, the monad, and the other is the personality, and they bonded in form. And the whole concept of Pisces is therefore to be released from that bondage. And, but it has Jupiter, which is the second ray of love wisdom. Um, and so that as the exoteric planetary ruler, and Jupiter um, helps to develop the wisdom that allows the Piscean native to understand the nature of that bondage and to do something about it. And, of course, to produce that type of generosity that is part of the Jupiterian or the love wisdom and produces the various forms of relationships that wisdom, soul personality can produce. Because it's the ending of the last of the signs, it also, at the end of Pisces, which is where we are now, we have the possibility of cataclysms, civilizations. Um, um, coming to an end, cycles um, finishing, and especially in relationship to this particular cycle I've gone before, where it's the ending of um, you know, the fifth sub-race of the fifth root race. And so it's the ending of the cycle of mind and the beginning of a new cycle governed by the number six or the sixth root race. And so DK sort of points out in his cosmic fire that there's definitely going to be some you know, major cataclysms within the next thousand years, of Earth changes is similar to nature that caused the sinking of Atlantis. And then I say here, due to the evolutionary process, the soul is eventually able to detach itself from the personality and reattach itself to the monad and thus bring about the final death of the soul form. And so here you also get the concept of the reattachment at the fourth initiation because the fish is ever seeking to be released from bondage. And this means the development of the antikrana. All lesser attachments and unions have been severed, and this is affected through the agency of Pluto, the esoteric, as well as the hierarchical ruler. And Pluto is the lord of death. It's the first ray 
and it basically relates to death of all the forms of attachments of mind, attributes of mind to things of the form. So, of course, with the first ray, it can also be exceedingly attached. So they can be attached to certain ideas, concepts, certain, certainly emotionalities, but they can also quickly cut themselves off with that which they do not wish or don't desire, and then be quite one-pointed focus to whatever the um, point of focus is. Then I say here, the geometry of the fishes depicted on the card is actually an extension of that given in Libra. The green fish represents that associated material world. And this is the reason I'm reading this out because it's got a good explanation of all the colours I used. The green fish represents that associated material world, the third ray quality in the past. The figure in the eye of the fish is therefore turned inwards, representing the involutionary process preceding evolution. It also symbolises the inward focused type of meditation developed in the East, which is going into the heart. The violet fish represents that associated with the future, the full demonstration of the energies manifesting through the etheric body, where all the chakras are, and governed by the seventh ray of ceremonial magic, which would be dominant in the Aquarian age. And so you get a concept here, you've got the green and the violet, which are the and the red there, which are the, along the rays of 1, 3, um, 5, 7, the rays of will, or the, the rays of mind. The figure in the eye of the fish, uh, this is the violet fish, is outwardly turned, symbolising the evolutionary forces and outward-focused type of meditation developed in the West, which of course is response to the heavens, to the concept of God, and which produces scientific investigation and which concerns the systematic analysis of the external universe. This symbol was also explained in the sign Virgo. What you have is a figure um, turned around with the foot on the head, forming a circle with, or whose outward be focused. And on the inside of that you see a child, the child of, of the concepts of the mind. Whereas the other ones, they, it's inwardly focused, and so it's holding its knees. The that one on the um, violet eye is actually the symbol of the Logos. If you think of a planetary sphere like that and figure out how a planetary Logos physically would manifest in a circular fashion, then you would get the, the thousand petal lotus and the feet centre interrelated and then all the other chakras go around in a circular fashion. But on this side, anyways, is, is a child, which is the, the people of the eye. And the child is all... And the child is manifesting in a, in a form of a swastika, an immutable cross. And that is the child that's evolving within the new planetary manifestation. It's all the, the new forms of lives that come within that logoic manvantara, so the new cycle of activity. So this left eye is the new cycle of activity. The other eye is the, the past, if you wish, of, of the gain of evolution, which is the third ray of mathematical exact activity. So the seventh ray relates to the physical plane, and then the other eye relates to the plane atma. And so you've got this juxtaposition of all the planes of karma, uh, what I call the, the planes ruled by the five Dhyani Buddhas, the five Buddhas of meditation. And so if this, this violet eye, you have the figure in the centre because it's the new birthing 
of all the, the new forms of life. And they start from the child stage and then grow up to... So all that is implicated in that particular eye. The two interrelated fissures produce a central circle, which forms the iris of a larger eye, within which sits a Buddha whose hands are in the process of teaching of the wheel of the law. He represents the present and takes the guise of the world's saviour, the soul itself, as well as forming part of the band that unites the two fissures. And I, I said earlier, I think up here, that this extension of the geometry given in Libra, and what I meant by that is in Libra we had the two pans. And here in Libra, you have in the centre, you have three, two pans and a central circle. And this particular geometry of the two pans and the central uh, sphere, I'll, I'll pass it off to that particular geometry that made that sign Libra with those um, two pans and, and the central sphere is these two eyes and the Buddha figure in this particular card of Pisces. In Libra, you've got the past, which is also surrounded by a green sphere, this figure focused inwards, and you get the future, which is the violet sphere in this particular case, with the new birthing. So this Buddha is in the eternal now, giving the teachings of the will of the law. He represents the present and takes the guise of the world's saviour, the soul itself, as well as forming part of the band that unites the two fishes. This band is, uh, is extended to form two arms of the mutable cross associated with incarnate life. Its colourings are those of the seven great creative hierarchies. And so if we go and look at these colours, I'm not going to read them in. You know, look at them, but they are the colours of the seven creative hierarchies because they are the manifesting life that is pouring through to vivify the new planetary sphere. And remember, it's the sign of the ending as well as the beginning when you're talking about the reversed wheel of the zodiac. The central turquoise blue aura of the Buddha represents the transmuted radiation of the highest qualities that the emotional astral body can produce, with which the saviour must endeavour to cleanse the glamours of the emotionally polarised mass of men or humanity. This is working with the high aspiration of the human aura, of humans, with that um, the saviour, the teacher, the world teacher, can work to cleanse them of all of their impediments to enlightenment. The halo around his head is violet, for his energies must be affected into the etheric body, and thus the dense physical realm, and also, which is not mentioned here, it relates to the engendering of the seventh ray of ceremonial magic, which is also the exoteric ruler of the next sign, Aquarius. The pink lotus, which he's sitting on, represents the purest expression of devotion to the work that confronts him, and which accordingly supports him, because all of humanity are devoted to their concepts of world saviour, to their Christ, their Krishna, Muhammad, and so forth, to the Buddha, all of the great ones that have come to, to save them from suffering and all of that, and the, the devoted ones send to them their pink, the pink energy, which these great ones sit on. The red seat or base, which is upon which the pink lotus rises from, is the colouring of which also circumscribes the central figure, represents the first ray quality of the will, 
that he intrinsically embodies and which must be utilised to cut the bonds that limit and veil. The blue cross, in this case it's the mutable cross, symbolises the second ray of love wisdom, which is also a fundamental attribute of this entity, and the ray quality of Jupiter, the orthodox ruler of Pisces. The implied red cross, which is the central band, symbolises the first ray quality that is the esoteric ruler of Pisces. And in fact, the implied red cross here is the form of the fixed cross. And the fixed cross is the cardinal cross in this particular case because it is the energy that produces the death of cycles, the severance of bonds, uh, the start of new cycles and so forth. So you can see that this particular symbol of Pisces is difficult to explain because it is that of the world's saviour. The golden yellow white aura is the colour of the light body of the soul, of enlightenment consciousness and ultimately the light that liberates. The outer silver with blue white circle represents the colourings of the astral plane and literally what I really meant here, and I should have put it in, I'll put it in now, the cosmic astral realm, astral realm and the waters of samsara in which the fishes swim. The circumscribing indigo blue is that of the Dharmakaya, from which all proceeds and to which all is resolved. In all of my cards, these 12 cards, I actually had related them to the weight pack. And I say down here, just there's a little addendum. I've equated this card with the 30th card in the weight pack, term the world, because the cord that unites the fishes and Pisces is here symbolized by the reef that separates the inner and outer portion of the symbolism of that card. And so it goes on a little bit, but... The element is water, as we've gone in before, but it's water in its earliest portion of it, or the earliest or the ending of it, and the early portion of it is when you start to make it very, very muddy. We have psychicism, mediumistic activity, elementary emotions and things, and then later on is when you're trying to cleanse it all of that murk and muck that was produced. And the intermediate portion is taken up by the other two watery signs, which is Cancer and Scorpio. And Cancer lives in that watery element and is quite at home in it and goes from the water to the earth. And Scorpio is where the disciple is busily battling with it to try to overcome all of the allurements and attachments that emotions uh, have produced that are death-like. And therefore you get the battle of the hydra in the swamp. And so, technically, Swamp is created in Pisces. Um, the crab lives in it quite happily, and then the scorpion is saying, no, there's problems here. The keynote to this particular sign is for the orthodox person, for the average human, human being, the imprisoned soul, bonded activity, and mediumship. For the disciple, it's the sacrifice of the one for the other. So when they are on the path of discipleship, they're quite sacrificial, and they can be exceedingly so. And you have to remember, with regards to this sign, that we have gone through it now for the past two or so thousand years, and it is the governing sign through which Christianity and Muslim religion and most of Buddhism lived and evolved through, especially with the, the Christian and the Muslim religion, the religions of the book, you can see this fervent sacrificial activity. You know, the, the, the concept of martyrdom is very, very strong, and it takes this 
attributes, this Plutonian attribute of Pisces and marries it with the six-ray energy that governed Christianity and probably Muslim religion and it then produced the fanatic. And still get that today, um, especially in the Muslims still living some centuries back with the car bombings, etc. So there you have the effect of the Plutonian energy. And the Plutonian energy also is that which brings war. Wherever you have warlike activity, it's either Mars or, or Pluto. And so if you get the two together, uh, that person's going to be quite uh, warlike, aggressive, or very, very high initiate. Mars is sixth ray and Pluto is first ray. The concept of sacrifice, the one for the other, in the Pluto, for the one that's ruled by this esoterically, can be quite strong. Therefore, the, the concept of dying to the form, they can put a lot of energy into that type of um, resolution. And for the initiate, which is the hierarchical sign, it is the world's saviour. They just simply incarnate with one fixed idea in their mind, which is to um, salvage and to salvage and liberate humanity at all costs to their own personal happiness and all the rest of it. It's just simply as they are totally addicted, if you want, or infused and fired up with the path that they must follow in order to help those around them and whatever their um, field is. So that's from this card. I also just want to read out a little bit from Isotope Astrology because DK is very good and all my information comes from him. Uh, page 115, just to start off with. The duality of Pisces must be studied in relationship to its three keynotes, which are bondage or captivity, renunciation or detachment, sacrifice and death. So you can see that the Piscean can be quite extreme when they get themselves whichever path they're into. And then I just want to go to another aspect of the Piscean, which has really got to do with the, the fact that it's the sign of mediatorship mediumship. So if you think of the past 2,000 years or the ending of it, which is the, say, the turn of the, of the ending of the Victorian era and the beginning of the 20th century, um, there you get mediumships, mediators, mediums, and psychic phenomena very much espoused in the Western society. Even now we still have many of these medium-type beings on the net, etc., giving their teachings and writing their books, and their, their millions are enthralled with this lower psychicism, and that's a Piscean attribute. That's part of it. And so the Pisceans do have a tendency to be mediumistic. That mediumistic can also be, you know, to taking drugs, which also feeds the, the lower psychic. You know, alcohol is another aspect of it that dulls the brain. So that's part of this aspect of the Piscean. Mediumship in its true meanings is expressive of the mass consciousness, impressibility, negativity and receptivity. These points will become clear as we study the signs and their many interrelations. The thought I wish to convey to you here is that at this stage, the influence of Pisces on the involutionary arc and as the sun retrogrades through the signs is felt largely 
in the anima mundi, the hidden, incarnate, imprisoned Christ, the germ of the Christ life. So one of the keynotes for the sign is the hidden Christ is unable to free itself from contact with water. And the hidden Christ, of course, is everyone's souls, and it's unable to free itself from the contact of the emotionality of, of the mass emotionality of the world's masses. And it resides in that, that murky water for aeons. And then he says, change is ever needed, but the method changes itself from the constant variability and mutability of the mutable cross to certain changes of a major kind which are brought about by a more permanent and directed life tendency. The man at this stage is with him, him the potencies and the characteristics of the indwelling Christ, but they are not manifesting and only latent possibilities, for he is of yet entirely controlled by his form nature. The natural spiritual tendencies of man are inhibited, for Pisces is often a sign of inhibition and hindrances, and the natural animal and personal powers, particularly the emotional, are the obvious and visible qualities of the man. A good deal of symbolism connected with the latent Christ and the outer expressive personality can be seen in the study is made on the biblical story of Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the whale, incidentally, is also the story of taking the third initiation at that time. I'm just going to bypass the little bit he says about that. I want to go to this section here. It is in this dual sign that the imprisoned soul and the personality enter upon the process which will transmute, one, the lower nature into its higher manifestation, two, the lower psychic powers into the higher spiritual faculties, that is, negativity into positive soul control, mediumship into mediatorship, clairvoyance into spiritual perception, clairaudience and mental telepathy and final intermental telepathy and final inspiration, instinct into intellect, selfishness into divine selflessness, acquisitiveness into renunciation, self-preservation into selfless world service, self-pity into compassion, sympathy and divine understanding. Three, spiritual and mental inhibition into soul expression and mental sensitivity. Devotion to the needs of the self and to develop devotion and response to the needs of humanity. Attachment to environment and to personality conditions, in other words, identification of form, into detachment from form and ability to identify with the soul. And then he says the lower ordinary low-grade medium is the outstanding example of the worst aspects of Pisces. Negativity, impressionability, animal and emotional sensitivity with complete underdevelopment and mental principle. Um, and then it goes a little bit into mediumship. So I thought that this little section of, of the challenge of the Piscean, uh, for instance, to convert mediumship into mediatorship. So mediumship, as you know, is where you allow, without any sort of real control, any entity to enter into your consciousness and then uh, it speaks through you and you are controlled by it and there's an adoring public around you that worship you because of it. And mediatorship is where you work consciously with the enlightened one. You step out of your body for a moment so the enlightened one can speak through you, a la sort of um, Helena Rory for Bailey. So it works through you know, a direct cooperative endeavour. And so... 
these types of changes from, from the lower to the higher in the Piscean because um, once they discover um, the nature of the bond, they can travel up by projecting the Antikranas and produce that will that is the Plutonian um, energy there um, in the right way rather than sort of um, stabbing themselves <laughs> into negativity and all of those aspects. They project it upwards towards the liberating light. That's a good aspect, I think, with regards to Pisces for you. You can read the rest of DK's section to get some further detail. And you can yes. you can see the, the good and the bad, the, the, the extremisms there that, that can come out in the Pisces. I suppose, therefore, there can be quite um, some time in, in the lives there can be complete changes or mood swings. So they're once like this, and then suddenly they go yeah, like that, yeah. depending on the way. Because when when they focus upwards towards the soul, that that light comes in, and then they use the same energy to attack themselves, and they can then use it to attack others. But the wisdom principle is there because of Jupiter, Pluto. They're both the esoteric sign. That's the way that DK says that Pluto should be. You have to understand with Pluto was the last planet that was discovered. It was discovered about 1936. And when astrologers discovered it, they almost didn't know what to make of it. So they um, attributed to Hades, or Pluto, the lord of death, the lord of Hades, of the house states of the underworld. You know, Cerebus, the three-headed dog, guarded it. And then they had to figure out what sign or how to draw the sign. So they'd put a, a P and um, with Lovell underneath it. So you get the P for Pluto and the L for the discoverer of Pluto, which of course is obviously not esoteric. And so DK says, no, it's the upright arrow. That's the, the correct symbol for Pluto, not the exoteric renditions of it that you get in various astrology books. But Pluto is more considered for a group humanity. More than yes, of course, yes. The reason for that is because it travels so slowly around the zodiac. So you can see the little, the inner, the inner planets like Venus and Mars and you know, Mercury. They they travel quite fast. You know, so when you're plotting the zodiac, you you can have them many aspects. But Pluto will take I don't know how many years to 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 go around the sun, and therefore it's it's melancholy. It's uh, uh, like Saturn. You know, Saturn is, is called melancholy because of that. It's slow traveling around the sun. And therefore, you know, for all of those years, you get people with Pluto in their their charts, a large number of them, all in the same house. And therefore, it affects the mass, the, the great number of humans. Yeah. Similar, in a sense, with um, Saturn and then Jupiter, to a lesser extent. But I, I discovered with, with my husband with, that at the center of his being, you can feel this beautiful soul who's still imprisoned. Yeah. And it is this, the battle between the soul who is really trying to liberate herself, itself, and the personality which is which fed up would like to, to, to overcome this, uh, this physical matter. It's, it's very interesting to... I, it took me quite a bit of years to understand his personality. It's not easy to understand vices. No, no, it's the imprisoned soul. And so what you have to do is, is find the keys to help him unimprison him or to liberate him from that bondage to the form, the form of the mind, of course.